All right. Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, back here at the Cosmic Car Wash podcast. My uh, best friend Rick and uh, I'm Paul, and we're really excited to be here. Um, as we were talking about, you know, kind of where we wanted to go with this one, I thought, well, shoot, we're recording this on Good Friday. And uh, by the time everybody sees this, when it's posted on YouTube, it'll be uh, just the day after Easter Sunday. So uh, I think it's appropriate to uh, talk about the hill, the blah, blah, the hill <laughs> that we'll die on. The hill. You know, and yeah, and Rick, that's a, that's a term that you and I use periodically. And um, actually, I was in a meeting the other day with uh, a couple coworkers, and we were discussing... Uh, a slideshow presentation that we were going to present to some vice presidents at our company. And uh, the gentleman who was leading the uh, content for the slide, we asked him to take out a few slides and really trim it down to uh, a really an executive level message. And he made the comment about one of the slides, this is the hill I'll die on. It's like, really? For a slideshow? That's the hill you're going to die on? It seemed like a uh, unnecessarily intense wow. euphemism for for a slide for a PowerPoint presentation, but <laughs> put a whole lot into that. I want to see that slideshow presentation. That's going to be the best slideshow you've ever seen. <laughs> but uh, when we're talking about the hill that we'll die on, you know, what are the things that are absolutely indispensable, core, fundamental things about life and about following Jesus? And so I wanted to just kick it off with uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 24 through 28. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation from the Version Bible app here. And it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own, your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And so, yeah, the core of that being take up our cross and and follow Jesus. And, yeah, I mean, this has been, that's another phrase that you hear a lot, like, oh, this is my cross to bear. And, you know, people use that for everything from uh, an infirmity to, you know, having to put up with noisy neighbors. You know, right. right, or a job. <laughs> Or a job yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, like, I can't have carbs, it's my cross to bear. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, you know, so I was listening to some Dallas Willard on this, and I'm not even going to apologize that we quote Dallas Willard and C.S. Lewis and N.T. Wright right. very frequently, yeah. uh, things we've heard in the John Eldridge podcast, because they're just so rich and deep and and uh, really, anybody that wants to know more about this, I would just advise you to go listen to Dallas Willard. His stuff is on YouTube. And But uh, when he's talking about the cost of being a disciple, he said it's you, we can't only stop to consider what it'll cost us to be a disciple of Jesus. He said we also have to stop and consider what it'll cost us if we decide not to be a disciple of Jesus. That's good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's. It's a really solid point, but, you know, um, being a disciple of Jesus does cost, but the reward that we get for that really outweighs. And so I don't want to jump too far ahead and get into this, but uh, 
yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking of, of this, you know, the cost of following Jesus and tie that in with, um, you know, Jesus said, you know, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, and, and Dallas Willard made the point that Jesus is saying the same thing there as in the verse in Matthew where he talks about taking up your cross. But, um, so yeah, I'd like to hear what you have to say, Rick, and we'll just kind of we'll go from there and as the spirit leads us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is Good Friday, and uh, I guess uh, going back to the phrase, this is the hill I will die on, um, this is the hill Jesus did die on. You know, yeah. he he died on a hill, and but he didn't stay dead. But anyway, we originally stumbled upon that. I mean, the, the phrase itself is, I mean, nobody really knows its original origin, um, I've tried to do some research on it and uh, uh, on the internet and <laughs> the Google machine. Right. Yeah. And it's got to be true. So <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't put it on there. Uh, exactly. so the earliest use may be attributed to a Protestant biblical interpretation and subsequent rep republication of Matthew seven, six, which I didn't look up. Uh, <laughs> so I'll go there right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, Matthew 7, 6. Still, this use did not withstand the test of time and faded into obscurity shortly afterward. Um, I I did not. What, what do you what'd you come up with? Matthew 7, 6. Don't waste, your, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Huh. Hmm. Maybe. I'm not getting the correlation. <laughs> nothing immediately comes to mind for me either. Right. I don't know. When you said don't throw your pearls before swine. All I thought of was throwing some ribs on the grill. Um, right. Actually, it became more popular at the, at the tail end of world war two. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, I found some references to hamburger Hill, uh, which was incredible. True story. I read the book, of course, um, about a battle in Vietnam uh, over a forgotten Hill that Americans mm -hmm. died on. And once they caught, you know, captured it, they, then they left it. And that was the hill many of them died upon. Um, it's also supported by Ernest Hemingway's novel, For Whom the Bell Tolls, um, that describes a com uh, conversational passage that discusses how many men in military history have used a hill to die on. And so you're right. It's one of those catchphrases. And we feel, you know, we live in a world filled with quips and quakes and quirks and jerks and, and uh, bumper stickers and captions that, define yeah. us or that we people embrace. And that's one of them. This is the hill that I will die on. And you and I kind of started saying that just not too long ago when we stumbled upon the great renewal. Yeah. And um, which really flies in the face of rapture theology. And yep. some people are very, very uh, fierce when it comes to upsetting, um, you know, their, uh, their apple cart. And, right. uh, you know, not that that's our purpose, you know, to go and upset people, uh, because you grew up in church. I mean, I grew up in Methodist church and then, and went my own way and, uh, ended up, uh, my dad led me back to the Lord a long time ago. And, and I've said before, I've never quite been the Christian I promised I would be, but he's always been the Jesus he promised he would be. So, uh, you know, and, 
And I, you know, I find myself back again. I was talking to a good friend just this morning and telling him about our, you know, what we do and how we founded the Warrior Poets and, and that we do a daily devotional on you version, which, um, uh, those of our listeners, you're more than welcome to reach out to us and we'll pl- get you plugged in and you can join that devotion every single day. It, yep. And it truly helps because, you know, Paul, you and I, um, we lead somewhat parallel lives and and you find yourself, especially when you're alone and you just struggle. And that's kind of our culture, you know, men are we're by ourselves and and we could try to right. make it on our own. But it's difficult to do. You know, we don't have a hill to die on. We just usually die on a pile of garbage right. of our own choice. So um, to make a long story longer, yeah, that is available. And that kind of became the hill. And we really pursued that. We still, still, you know, you struggle and uh, you find yourself waiting for something. You know, you know, in the Christian world, a lot of people are waiting to leave. They're waiting to escape. Or otherwise, you hear the uh, uh, the very well worn and used um, at the end of your church service. If you happen to go, especially this weekend with Easter, a lot of people will go, people and will be there, yeah. and you hear the infamous line of "Please bow your heads, close your eyes, and slip your hand up in secret," because we certainly don't want to embarrass you. Uh, even though Jesus hung naked on a cross, and uh, don't yeah. yeah, the movies. Don't show. I mean, he, he was naked. That was a form, a form of punishment and shame that they inflicted on the Hebrews. So, um, it, it it really convolutes and waters down the hill that we're supposed to die on, and and the hill that he died on. So, it, it, um, it to me it cheapens the grace. It cheapens the cost, um, and then what it does is it makes death our savior. And that's, that's controversial, but what what precedes that, what precedes the question, raise your hand. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? die. Of course, the morgue. If you got hit by a truck tonight, the truck that roams church parking lots, the world over. I know. And I mean, I've heard that. I've heard say, if you leave here today and get in an accident and die, do you know where you're going? Hey, you're going to the morgue. Then you're going to the funeral home. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. It is completely contrary to the gospel. And again, you could probably rustle, ruffle some religious feathers. That's not our intent. It is to look at the Bible for what it was then, who it was written to then. And it's always been about the resurrection. Yes. It's always been about the resurrection, not going flying off to some nebulous existential village, you know, in the clouds and in the sky and in space to sleep on a, on a cloud. So that is the hill is that it's the resurrection. It's the great renewal and God created Eden, the heavens and the earth. And there was Eden and he dwelled in Eden. He made man and woman and he was there with, he met with them every single day. Yep. Um, and he said it was good and it's still his. It's yeah. still his, and in Revelation, he says that he's making all things new. He's 
and making, you know, and that's the great renewal. And, you know, N.T. Wright's uh, Surprised by Hope and Dallas Willard's Preparing for Heavven and John Eldridge, uh, Our Ambivalence Towards the Return of Christ, his podcast, those are just revol- they're They're revolutionary, but they shouldn't be. That should be right. every, that should be everyday Christian conversation. Exactly, but it's become almost fantastical, like J.R. Tolkien. But it, when you, I mean, you found those first, and then you shared them with me, and it was one of those audible clicks that you can't unclick. Yep. And so, again, to make a long story longer, that's kind of where this title originated from. This is the hill we will die on. And uh, it's not always received very well. I mean, I've, I've shared with some people, you know, about the great renewal, trying not to step on their theological toes. And because and some people, man, are convinced, you know, we're going to be raptured any day. We're in the end times. Well, you know, if you look at the Bible, the end times began when Jesus said it's finished. Because the apostles, how many times in the New Testament they say we are living in the last days? So what, is, yeah. what does it make these days? You know, the last of the yeah. last days. And and what really does that mean? And people say, we're living in the last days. And I know that most people, when they say things like that, it's the end of the world. Armageddon, a smoldering dirt clod in space, and we all jump on a, a big bus, uh, you know, with Jesus written on the side and fly away to another world. And uh, I don't believe that to be true. I believe that he is coming and the, this, the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Yeah, you know, in the podcast that we're referencing, and just in case anybody is, <clears throat> this is the first time you're hearing this and you're wondering, what are these guys talking about? Um, in September and October of 2020, John Eldridge did a series of five podcasts that uh, started with, you know, why are we so ambivalent around the return of Christ and launched into four or five hours of content of, what scripture says about Jesus's return and the new heavens and the new earth, right. the earth, as you say all the time, God's not coming to smash the earth like a broken toy. Right. The earth is going to be made new. And um, one of the things that John Eldridge's son, Blaine, who was the co-host on those five episodes pointed out is when the, the, the typical Western American Christian view of the end of the world is death, the destruction, famine, war, terror. That sounds a whole lot more like Satan's view of the future than God's view, because God created a world that was good. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were sinless. They were so covered in the glory of God that they didn't realize they were naked. Right. They, they was, you know, so this whole thing of the hill we will die on I feel like, you know, Paul said in uh, one of his letters that uh, he feels like he's a a person born at the wrong time because Jesus appeared to all the other apostles first. And then Paul said, like somebody born at the wrong time, he appeared to me years later. I kind of feel like that with this is like this thing, this message has been here for thousands of years. I mean, John Eldridge didn't invent it. C.S. Lewis didn't invent it. N.T. Wright, Dallas Willard. And I'm I'm sure there's, you know, many other voices that are preaching the same message, beating the same drum that that we don't know about. But we didn't invent this. It's been in scripture literally for 2000 years. And I just happened to wake up to it by the grace of God. I don't, I mean, 
you know, and then I, it was so fantastic and amazing and wonderful for me that I told you, Rick, you've got to listen right. to this. And it's, it's had the same impact on you, but yeah, this, this view of the future of God is coming to destroy the earth. And, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't accord with scripture because look what happens when Jesus was resurrected. He got a new body. Yeah. He came back and hung out with his friends. He spent time. He did some work. He commissioned them to do work. And, you know, I don't, neither one of us have all the answers for why everything has happened that has in the last 2000 years since the end time started, but it doesn't change the fact that God is still good. He has been on a rescue mission for, I mean, from before Adam and Eve sinned, God had this plan in place. He knew what was going to happen. He knew Adam and Eve was going to sin. The scripture says that Jesus was, uh, I think in the, the new, or in the King James lingo, it says he was slain before the foundation of the world. You know, God has been all about rescuing us and restoring right. our relationship with him and renewing us and renewing the earth. And Paul launches into it in Romans, that creation is groaning, yep. waiting for the, revelation of the sons of God. I mean, it's just, it's so much all throughout scripture that like you said, once it clicks it, you can't unclick it. Exactly. I cannot read scripture the same way anymore. Like even the old Testament, you know, you and I are reading through first and second Kings and all the stories of the horrible things that were done. And we're seeing God's plan just woven through, right. you know, it's this like golden thread of God's plan of redemption all throughout our mess. So, yeah, you're right. That is an excellent point um, that he has, he has never given up on the human right. race. He's not angry. And uh, I, I love the scripture when, uh, was it Philip? He says, show us the father. Show us the father. And Jesus says, how long have I been with you? If yeah. you've seen me, you've seen the father. And, uh, I right there is something I've read just dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times. And just recently it clicks. You, if you want to know what God looks like, he looks like Jesus. And, yeah. um, I was reading the other day and I know I shared this with you, uh, and this being Easter week and Jesus being in the garden. And, uh, I think sometimes we really glaze over the, the, you know, the story uh, of the last supper and um, Passover, and, and we just kind of look at things nonchalantly. But they had celebrated Passover for years. Jesus celebrated Passover since he was a little boy, and, and along with the the disciples. And you know, chances are they had Passover three, two to three times prior to that. And so this was nothing new. You know, it was Passover. It was like you know, all right, you know, we're gonna kick back, you can have some food, and and sing some songs and go pray. And, and, uh, and Jesus flips the script on him when he says, you know, the bread, the bread was just the bread of affliction. It was to remember Egypt. And he says, do this. And this is my body. I can only imagine the looks on their faces. What? What? His body is the bread of affliction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it was never that. And, uh, I, you know, I can't even imagine. And then he says, this is my blood drink it that was it was never that that was brand new to them that had yeah. to have freaked them out yeah and so all this happens and uh you know he dips the bread and gives it to judas and again judas was no different than from them till he got up from the table 
right? Till he got up and left the table. He was just like them. He didn't have a snide whiplash mustache, you know. His robe wasn't black. <laughs> right. You know, we get a hood, you know, you know to kind of obscure the other, space. All the other disciples have white robes. Judas is black. He's got this big handlebar mustache. You know. <laughs> Looks like Snidely Whiplash. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, he was just like them. Just like them. Got his feet washed. You know, yeah. did miracles. So then he goes to the garden, and I'm really making this longer than I probably should, but this. Uh, in light of Easter, Easter week, um, this, when they're in the garden and he's praying and sweating blood and, you know, but, you know, if this is possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And, uh, and then they, you know, the temple guards come, the, the police and, uh, with Judas, you know, and, um, he, I, I love this, you know, this quote, this verse, when he standing there with Judas and he asks him, will you betray the son of man with a kiss? Judas just said, no. Will you? He get, I, I'm right then. To me, that's the heart of the father. Are you sure you're going to do this? Yeah. You know? One last chance. Yeah. And I'm sure, again, it might be controversial for some. Well, he was destined. He was this. He was that. But then why did Jesus say that? Why Jesus gave him a choice. He gave him a choice. Will you betray the son of man with a kiss? Judas yeah. kissed him. And he did. And then, um, you know, Peter draws his sword and tries to pierce Malchus's ear. And whoops, <laughs> cuts the whole thing off. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need like a hat or a turtleneck or something. <laughs> Some headphones cover that up. And... Uh, and Jesus stops everything. And this, I, and I, oh. you know what? I've read this hundreds of times, Paul, and I know oh, you have too. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. He says this in the garden. I've read this at least a hundred times. And then yeah. it occurred to me that he could have. And God would have done it. His father, yeah. I, I mean, why would he say that? And his father would have rescued him. He would have sent yeah. them. And what'd you say? That one angel in. Uh, yeah, in it's it's in first or second Kings. The, the Israelites are fighting the Assyrians. It says that an angel of the Lord went out and in one night killed 185,000 yes. Assyrians. One angel. And One angel. Uh, yeah, the father is willing to send 12 legions of angels to rescue his son in the Garden of Gethsemane. So to me, that is a picture of the father, of a good, good father. This is the yeah. hill. This is the hill. Because for years, I thought he was just this angry, surly curmudgeon, just getting re ready to flick me off the face of the earth like a gnat. And yet he is here. And I've heard many people say that, you know, God abandoned Jesus and looked away because he can't look at sin. I don't believe that for a second anymore. My mind is nope. made up. He was in the garden with him. And when Jesus yep. was leaned over and sweating blood and praying, I picture and this morning as I was praying and doing my devotion, I pictured God like a good, good father with his hand on the back of his son. 
comforting, just like you, a father would his child, just like you'd yeah. see your son in a, on a little league field going to bat for the first time. And, you know, you're anxious. I mean, you don't want him to get hit by a pitch, but you want him to do well. And then the first time he gets on a bicycle and, you, you know, come on, buddy, come on, man, stay on the bike. And then the first time he gets on the bus and then when he leaves for college and he, when he walks down the aisle to get married, you never look away from that boy. Or that child, whether it's your son or your daughter, as a good father, you don't look away from them. You don't take your eyes off of them. Your eyes are always on them. God's eyes were on his son. He was hanging on the cross with him. I believe he went down to hell with him and then escorted him back. And, and so that is, that is a picture of our good, good father. Jesus, and he could have. He could, I mean, there could have been, you imagine what would have happened? 12 legions of angels, man. I, I yeah. If one angel slew 185,000 Assyrians, you imagine what 12 legions of angels, but Jesus, you know, my gosh, I've read that so many times, Paul. And it just occurred to me, this is a picture of the good, good father. And this is the hill he died on. And this is the hill we're called to die on because God wants to do for creation what he did for Jesus on Easter. Yes. Not to whisk (laughs) us away, to live on a cloud with a harp, but for the resurrection to be given a body like his. I mean, what did Jesus say when he came back and he, and he met with the guys, what did he say? Do you have anything to eat? Yeah. Yeah. Give me something to eat. Exactly. Uh, He was hungry. I'm not a ghost. I'm I know. Ghost. It wasn't this ethereal, nebulous, you know, oh, yeah. this vapor. Oh, he was a guy. Look, yeah. here, see the holes? Here, touch this one. See this? It was like a bunch of fishermen showing their scars. Hey, check this one out. Look at this. Got <laughs> this one as a kid. Well, check this out. I mean, right. No, yeah, it was. he was there. It, yeah. You know, to go back to the garden and, and, Calvary for just a second. Um, I mean, a lot is said about the love of God. And when you and I were talking about this yesterday morning, uh, I was on the road and you were kind of sharing me with this revelation that God never stopped being a good father, that even in the garden, right. he would have rescued Jesus yep. if Jesus had asked for it. But Jesus refused to be rescued because he loved us. So the father was loving the son. Jesus was loving us. Like there is just, I mean, love is the very fiber, the DNA of the cross. And uh, I think we first, I first came across it, uh, this thought in uh, when we were doing a devotion, Um, I forget the name of the devotion, but uh, Brian Zond, who's a pastor of a a church in St. Joseph, Missouri. I remember that uh, one. Brought that up. He's like, if you say, if you look at Calvary and say that the father turned away from the son, you're, you're dividing the Trinity and you can't do that. Yeah, that's good. Wow. That's excellent. I think the point you made is absolutely right. That the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit were all right there right. on the cross. They were all together in hell, and they were all there in the tomb when the stone rolled away and Jesus walked out yeah. victorious over sin and death. Yeah. You know, so yeah, he never stopped being a good father. It's that's just it's it's 
mind blowing. And it starts to like, my mind starts to go to all these other scriptures, you know, when I just start like popping with all these different things, you know, that Paul said, if we, uh, that we, we've been crucified with Christ and our, our life is no longer our own, but it belongs to him. And if we're crucified with him, we'll reign with him. Hmm. And as I was listening to Dallas Willard, uh, I really, I appreciate that he kind of refuted another one of those, uh, catchphrases that gets thrown around Christianity a lot without really thinking about if it's biblical or not. He said, Jesus didn't go to the cross, so we didn't have to. Jesus went to the cross, so we would join him there. Wow. Because he said, take up your cross and follow me. Like, we can't take up his cross. We have to take up our own. But we are called to be disciples, to to die with Jesus, not just for the sake of dying, but so that we can be there with him on Easter morning resurrected brand new renewed redeemed and yeah. restored there you go that's it that's the hill Man. the hill is resurrection the hill. yeah the hill is the resurrection the great resurrection the great renewal isn't it interesting that if you walk through a walmart like today or tomorrow through the candy aisle you'll see chocolate crosses and chocolate bunnies and to the first century Jew, they would have just been absolutely horrified, mortified, right. something so hideous. It would be the equivalent of having a chocolate hangman's noose, a chocolate electric chair, a chocolate right. lethal injection. And, uh, you know, um, yeah. how we can really trivialize something that is so profound and timeless. And, yeah. uh, but yet that's, you know, that's just like God to take something so heinous and so hideous and turn it into a symbol of eternity, of eternal life, of love, incredible, yeah. love, incredible sacrifice. And, um, yeah, that's the hill. The hill is the great renewal. The hill is the resurrection, you know, and, you know, again, not to become theologically controversial, even though it is, um, the rapture is actually very limited in its uh, its reach. It's not, you know, it's not around the world. It's um, just parts, you know, some denominations in the United States and other places. And uh, it actually began in what the early 1800s is when it really I so, yeah, yeah. And then it just kind of took off, and now it's become a billion dollar industry. I even right. uh, those nights when you can't sleep and there's times I'll get up and flip through the channels and I'll hit the Christian section, see if I can't hear anything, something worth listening to. And right. there was a guy hawking. Um, uh, <laughs> I won't say who it was, but uh, he was, you could buy rat, uh, you know, left behind survival kits. <laughs> he was selling them. So in case you were left behind, you know, and you could order these left behind survival kits of all this stuff in these kits to right. until, you know, until he came again, um, which is just absolutely, it, it, it reminds me of Jesus going into the court of the Gentiles and flipping the tables and taking a whip to the merchants, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Having grown up in church, literally my first memories as a kid are being in church. And I'm so thankful that I had parents who kept us in church and genuinely taught us to love God. And I don't blame them for any of the theological misunderstandings that I have. Right. But like everybody I know 
everybody that those people know, everybody that all those people know, like born and raised and inundated in this rapture theology. And it's easy for me to look at that now on the other side, understanding what scripture actually says and be like, oh, that's all garbage, you know. But I do have a bit of compassion for those people because it's kind of like a child that grows up in an abusive home. Right. That's all they've ever known. You're right. And then they get outside of that and realize, wait, that's not how it's supposed to be. You mean I can actually be in my home and be safe and I can be happy and I can experience love and care and tenderness and, and touch can be something that's safe. Right. You know? And so, yeah, I've had to kind of temper my own attitude about that because I grew up in that whole rapture theology. I remember as a 12 year old, 13 year old, we lived in a small little town in Missouri of 500 people and, you know, it was in the the mid eighties and it was safe, you know, so I would, uh, my parents would go into town to get, you know, stuff and I'd come home and like the house was empty. <laughs> and I remember being afraid thinking, oh my gosh, everybody got raptured and I got left behind. How am I going to survive? Because my mom and dad and brother and sister are gone, you know, and it, it was all about fear, but right haven't haven't seen this now like i know i have compassion on those those people and i i want to do everything i can including this podcast or any other opportunities that you know become available to just tell people there's so much good news and so much hope and so much life in the gospel it's not scary exactly i know you know what i'm right there with you the same thing when i was 10 I was at a revival in Iowa. I, don't, I think it was Waterloo. I don't know. It was around there. And uh, that was the call is turn or burn. Do you want to yeah. burn in hell forever? You say that to a little boy, you know, I, I raced to the altar, you know, terrified, crying, you know, because of my, you know, my horrible grizzled um 10 years of life. I mean, 10 years so, of I know. deplorable sin. Yeah. I mean, how uh, acrid can a 10 year old boy be, I guess. But, uh, and, and then I remember finding a chick track in a car one time, you know, not long after as a teenager and reading it and reading it over and over again. And just again, terrified sitting on my bed in my living or in, uh, in my bedroom, maybe like 15, 16 years old. And just, I mean, just absolutely terrified. So this constant cycle of, of going back and, and, uh, you know, that you're just a, an ant and God's got a big magnifying glass and you're just going to cook this in. Yeah. vermin. And, um, for a long time, that's how I, you know, that's how I grew up. And Jesus was the arbitrator. He was the liaison. He was the nice guy. You know, he was the middle man and, uh, right. um, kind of holding God, right, back yeah, yeah, I got, you know, just fighting us all stay behind me. Don't make any sudden moves. Stay behind me. <laughs> Wave your arms about or anything. And, uh, I'll get you in. <laughs> right. Um, right. You know, and I think it, it's, uh, 
you're right. I, I have compassion too, because we both came out of that. I did. And, and I think that's why it clicked so much is that when we, you know, stum- when really stumble upon it, I really think that it was, uh, we were, you know, God opened our eyes to it and my gosh, there's so much freedom and liberty and joy in it, you know? Um, yeah. It actually is strange and as this may sound, it makes it easier to it live. It does. I completely agree. That's been my experience yeah. over the last year and a half. It's just been like I'm I'm not racing against a ticking clock before God destroys everything and right. I don't have any more chances. And uh I'm not struggling yeah. against I'm not swimming upstream against an angry God who just wants to you know, like I think of Bruce Almighty, smite me, Almighty Smiter. <laughs> I know, I know. Life isn't a pair of dice, you know. <sighs> come on, eleven, <laughs> come eleven, get me to heaven, and uh, <laughs> no snake eyes, you know. No yeah, come on, seven eleven, give me to heaven. And uh, it isn't. There's uh, purpose. There's it's more than that. It's deeper than that, Paul. I mean, sometimes it's hard to explain and describe that I can, I can talk to God just like I'm talking to you and talking to anybody that may be listening to this right now and have conversations. And, um, you know, there's always going to be that demographic of people that want to put you in a straight jacket and put, you know, padded room. Um, but it's undeniable. It's undeniable, and that he is coming back because he did die on that hill. He did did die on that hill, and uh, that's the hill we have to die on. But yeah. it's not it, it's not as gruesome. It's only as gruesome as we make it to be. But it's really just about laying down our lives. It's about living a life like they do, like the father does and the son does. They're benevolent. They're kind. Yeah. They're generous. They're, yeah. they're hopeful. They're helpful. They, they're full of peace, compassion, and grace, generosity, all of yeah. those things. And even as you and I have wrapped up first and second Kings, and as long as that went on and some of the, uh, the absolute, um, unspeakable depravity that went on, God continued. He was so patient yeah, and so patient with them. And that, um, that's the hill. Yeah. Yeah. There's no fear in surrendering to a God who is kind. Absolutely. And and compassionate and merciful. And he says that about himself in scripture. I'm compassionate and rich in mercy, slow to anger, quick to forgive. There's no fear in surrendering to a good king. I know, you know, and Adam and Eve weren't afraid of him. No. You know, until they, you know, had apple pie. And uh, and even then he clothed them. Yeah. Granted, him, he booted them out. He kicked them out only so that they wouldn't eat from the uh, the tree of uh, what? Life tree and death. Life. Yeah, the yeah. tree of life and live forever and be like him. He said, yeah. well, they'll be like us. Well, you know, in the book of Revelations, he is going to make us like him. So, yeah. and we will eat from the tree of life 
So we've come full circle. That's what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted fellowship. He wanted to hang out with us like a good, good father, like a good father. I mean, to hang out with your kids, you know, if you have kids and to hang out with them and see them and get a call from them and talk to them and, and how you yeah. doing, you know, how can I help you? And I mean, where does that come from? I mean, as far as just around the world, where does that goodness come from? Because you can meet fathers all over the world that will do anything for their kids. Right. So yeah. where does that come from? Where does that, um, that emotion, that desire, that DNA, how, you know, and I believe it's woven into us from the heart of God. Truly. Absolutely. It's woven yeah. in. It's part of his DNA. Yeah. To love yeah, Jesus well. said, if you, though you are evil, yeah. know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit yeah. and everything else? I love so. that. I love it. That's good. Yeah. So the hill we'll die on is this one. Is this one? It's the and one. The last thing. It's the one he died on. The one well, he died on. I guess, figuratively yeah. speaking. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's the whole. The uh, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to put a bow on this thing. <laughs> I think it's how we finish every podcast. Yeah. The hill we will die on is God is not, not mad, mad at, you. at you. Yeah. God's not mad. That's it. He's not mad. And when you're weeping to the point of sweating blood, if that ever happens, it is a real medical thing. Know that he is standing in the garden with his hand on your shoulder. Yeah. And he will not look away. That's so good. Yeah. So good. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for yes. uh, watching this. We, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, please leave comments uh, in the, the video below. You can hit the like button if you want to reach out to us. Yeah. Uh, you can contact us at info at thecosmiccarwash.com. We'll be happy to include you in our version uh, devotions. Um, pray for you. I mean, just whatever. You know, I just want, I want people, we want, we both want people to see how good right. God is because he's been good to us. Yeah. Lay hands on the like button and have a great Easter. Have a happy, yeah, great Easter. See you soon.